Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with the leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. Let Them Trust is a non-political, child-oriented, creative, educational, and cultural initiative that aims to create platforms for young people to groom and showcase their artistic talent. Founded in 2010, Let Them Trust have evolved into a multifaceted cultural and arts preservation organization. Throughout the years, Let Them have developed their programming to include an annual two-day school arts festival where children all over Zimbabwe are invited to come and participate in different categories, including dance, music, theater, poetry, and fine art. The festival attracts local and international organizations that sponsor and partner this event. Let Them Trust also creates platforms for promoters, art institutions, professional artists, and children in performing arts to interact learn, create synergy, and perform. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with the executive director of Let Them Trust, joining us from Zimbabwe. This incredible woman is not just anyone, guys. She is my my nini, my kinfolk and family, a recent Nobel Award recipient of the NASFest International Youth Arts Festival in Malawi, manager of Zimbabwean superstar Amara Brown, chair of Afrikara Dance Trust, actress and former Zimbabwean basketball player for the All-Africa's game team as number one point guard. I'm extremely honored to have you on our show to hear all of your incredible things you have done in your journey as an artist, as well as what you are currently contributing to the arts. Thank you so much for having me. Ever since I can recall, you have had a genuine appreciation for the arts. What was your reason for pursuing a career within the creative industry? Um, I grew up just thinking that I was going to be a superstar and a singer, you know, so uh, whenever anybody was asked, like, what are you going to be when you grow up? I was going to be that singer, you know, <laughs> um, and I'll just tell everybody I was going to be a singer, much to my parents' dismay. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't end up a singer, but I've ended up like in the music industry indirectly, more on the management side. Right. So take us on a journey as an executive director. How did Let Them Trust come into fruition? Um, Let Them Trust was born um, from the fact that at some point I just felt like I didn't know who I was as a Zimbabwean girl. Mm. I'd grown up in Australia, come back very, you know, um, discombobulated as to who am I as an African child. Mm-hmm. And I remember going uh, to the village uh, on, on trips and just sitting around a fire because the only entertainment that we had was just storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, with the age of technology, our kids have lost that. We don't go to the village anymore. We don't really sit and tell the stories that we grew up listening to. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how can we bring that back? Because I think that was like 
the essence of who I was because a lot of things in the Shona tradition were oral. So, you know, you were just telling stories, but then they had so many meanings behind them. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, why don't we take these stories back into the schools, but instead of it just being storytelling, we'll put it into the form of theater so that at least it's a lot more palatable for the younger kids mm-hmm. and then have discussion points with the older kids. Um, so we started booking into schools and uh, going and performing Suronagudo, which is the hair and, mm-hmm. and the stories, and then discussing with the kids um, the meanings that were behind all of these stories. And the school curriculum then started incorporating the Shona um, uh, curriculum, but it also had the storytelling side. Ah. So what we started doing for the high schools was then taking the stories that they had in their curriculum and then putting it into the form of theater so that at least it's like going to watch your Romeo and Juliet in the theater, but it's about our folk tales, but taking it to the schools. Because the biggest gap was that a lot of kids can't afford to go to theater productions. so the, the difference with us was that we were actually taking it to them. So we went to about 272 schools in total. Mm-hmm. Um, this was starting from 2013. Um, so the first two years, it was just the general folk tales that we used to have. And then we migrated into doing the ones that they had in their school curriculum. Wow, that so is that's so amazing. how it all started, really. Yes. <laughs> um, for our listeners, help us imagine what a day at any past Let Them Trust Festival looked like from the time it begins to the time it ends. All right. So the beginning really is the minute the festival ends because that's when you now need to start um, sending thank you letters to everybody. You have to come up with a theme for the next festival mm-hmm. and you're now already starting to communicate, you know, what the plans are for the festival. But the festival in itself um, is a two-day festival. On the Friday, we have theater, poetry, and dance. Um, and what we do is we invite schools. So we send out hundreds and hundreds of letters to various schools Mm. and then they send us in their submissions and from that we then start um, selecting the schools that we want to participate because we're not looking for for acts that are mediocre at this Mm -hmm. stage final show but we also spend the year going around schools and just watching what kids are doing because we can't possibly write to everybody so Basically, it's like an ongoing search process for the talent that is out there. Um, Some of which we see, some of which we receive on email. And uh, we usually start our Friday with a guest of honor. We select Mm -hmm. a different guest of honor every every year. And we get 45 schools minimum that perform over the two days. We have a very different audience for the theater, poetry and dance day. It's a, it's a school day. So we usually get about 1,500 school kids, most of which are participants. Oh, wow. And the reason why we put dance into that day was to break the monotony of kids having to sit through the process mm, the whole time. Very smart. At least if you put dance, they can get up and you know, <laughs> shake themselves a little bit. And, you know. um, and then we get renowned writers and poets that will also come and, and tell their stories. So they will do a performance but the kids get to mix and mingle with them and ask them how they are living as Mm. a poet or as a writer. Um, Because we want to demystify the fact that, you know, you can't actually have a career in the arts 
you know, and they also need to meet the people that they're reading about in school every day. So this is the time that the school kids and these renowned artists actually meet. Yes. So that's our Friday. And then the Saturday is the, you know, the jive jive day. That's our music and um, music and dance. And then we incorporate some, some fashion Mm -hmm. and we encourage that our fashion is very, African-based. I won't say Zimbabwean because we don't have a traditional dress, but we're trying to encourage kids to to love to wear our African print and mm-hmm. our, and and you know just the the aesthetics of how our African dress would be, but in their own way. Definitely. So they make the garments, they design them, they showcase them. So let them is really about the kids doing it because too often we're using adults and trying to speak to them but we're trying to do it the opposite way. We want them to speak to us and then we can incorporate and see what they're enjoying. Mm. And on the Saturday, they perform and then we also get renowned artists to come through and they do a, a shorter performance. But then now they get to meet the Amara Browns and the mm. Praises and all these artists that they often get to see on television or hear right. on radio. Because a lot of the times they're only performing in nightclubs where they don't have access to. So the Let Them Trust actually brings it all together. And the one really important thing I think about our festival is that we invite, um, you know, institutions like the College of Music, um, Music Crossroads, the dance schools. So they have like stands that will be just positioned around the festival area. Mm -hmm. So that if a child wants to then pursue this career, they already know where they can go because they go and you know get to find out how they can enter what the processes are you know and through the festival I'm so delighted that like some kids have gone to to some of these institutions and graduated and so we're trying to bring it all together Mm -hmm. you know and um, outside of school kids performing also youth groups so you may not be a child in school but you're a part of a club So you also could get an opportunity to then perform there. So we're bringing private schools, government schools, and schools from within the region now together. That's really beautiful, especially because they're, it's all connected. So the children will have exposure to the arts through Let Them Trust. And then afterwards, you have so many different avenues of art-related things that they can study or do right after you know that experience when they're adults so that's that's really beautiful and wonderful how are you doing the arts festival differently this year due to COVID-19 okay so this year we are going we're planning um, an online festival that will be Mm -hmm. held on the 15th to the 17th of October Um, this is a new for us and uh, so we are learning uh, in the process what we're going to do is have it all Mm pre-recorded because to have live show would administratively I feel would be a nightmare (laughs) so we're going to then we've asked um we've sent letters out and asked you know schools and um clubs and from all over the world so we're still in the process of doing that so that if we can get a whole lot of entries we can then select you know the ones that we want to showcase um during these uh the three-day festival Okay. So my understanding is applications are still open for submissions. Who is eligible to participate in the virtual Let Them Trust Arts Festival? And how can people send their submissions to you? Okay. So um, on our website, there will be application forms. Mm -hmm. 
Um, we are currently emailing as many people as we can. So we're using friends, organizations, mm -hmm. relatives to just disseminate the letters that we have so far. Um, the entries, uh, the deadline will be the 1st of October. So we require everything to come in by the 1st of October. If it could come in earlier, the better, because then it will help our selection process. And then to collate everything so that at least it, it's, you know, it's, it's like pre-planned properly. Mm -hmm. Yes. So this year we're going international. For anyone that is interested, how can we keep in touch or donate to the organization? What's your website? All right. So our let them um, our website is letthemtrust.org.zw. Mm -hmm. mm. Say that so one more time. Letthemtrust.org.zw. Mm. So that's you? our website. Good, good. Thank you. How did you come to be an actress and what was your first role? Okay. You so can my remember. <laughs> <laughs> my first role would have been like in 1989 as an extra on Neighbours in Australia. So that wow. was my first role. I mean, we were literally just sitting in a coffee shop and I thought, wow, I could do this. And I really, really enjoyed it. And then when we came back to Zimbabwe, I was involved in a few theater productions at school um, and I'd always land up with the lead role. Um, and then I went to visit a studio not too far from where I live. And as I walked in, the lady was like, you could act. And I said, no, I don't know whether I could act on television, but I've done theater. And she says, could you just read this part out for me? So I did. And from just that conversation, I did a lead role in a, a soap called um, The Small House Saga. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a two year stint. And, um, and then I just started getting roles thereafter. I've never really had to audition per se, you know. Um, it's, they sort of like now have just sort of like uh, landed on me, but I have to now really select what I will do. Um, right. Because time, I just don't really have the time with the Let Them Trust. And I also run an advertising agency. Um, so now I select what I'm going to do, you know, very, very diligently. But I love it. It's yeah. a good escape. It was such a nice surprise to actually see you on the cook-off, <laughs> the first Zimbabwean <laughs> film <laughs> on Netflix. Yes. Like that was a really nice surprise. I didn't really see, like know that you were going to be in it until I watched it and I was like, oh, Right, right, right. I, I know who cameo. that is. I had a cameo in that. <laughs> right. <laughs> And that was a lot of fun. I mean, um, Joan Jagu and Thomas Brickhill are dear friends. And mm -hmm. when they asked me if I could, you know, be a part of um, the cook-off, I thought, well, why not? Who would have known that would have been on Netflix? I mean, I, I was so honored when it was on Netflix. Yeah. That's lovely. Um, how do you stay motivated to um, balance so many different things? Do you know what? I you don't need motivation when you love what you're doing. Mm. And I feel that, you know, a lot of what I do is very connected. Um, my advertising agency works with a lot of artists mm. and a lot of these artists are the ones that have, you know, donated of their time and their energy into the let them trust in terms of coming to perform, mentor the kids. So there is a, a there's an interlink in terms of the advertising agency and what I do for the trust. But I think Let Them Trust is actually where my, my heart is. Mm -hmm. um, my heart is with the arts. 
and my heart is like with growing um, a generation of artists that can compete at a world level. Um, I think a lot of artists in Zimbabwe sort of like land up uh, superstars, but they're superstars in Zimbabwe. It, it only becomes really relevant when you can compete on a global stage and start actually realizing an income that makes sense. And the best thing in which we can do that is to educate people on how to do it, not necessarily the formal education per se, but just for them to have the experience of the big stages from a young age, mix and mingle with the artists that can actually tell them informatively about what the art is like. And then they can then discover themselves as they grow to become more serious, learn the business behind it. Because mm. I think a lot of young people just think, that, oh, because it's like that on TV, they don't understand the back office of what it actually takes. And that's what we're trying to nurture. Mm -hmm. for, for those who don't know, who is Amara Brown and how, how did you come, become her manager? Um, okay, so Amara Brown is, um, she's a very big star in Zimbabwe and she's made her way around the global um, spaces as well. Um, she is the daughter of Andy Brown and uh, her mom was called Soraya. But one of my best friends called Ching, uh, um, Chiwaneso Marairi was her stepmom. And so I've known Amara from when she was a very young age. And um, she went through a series of managers and then she, the, the last manager that she had, she was like, are you able to just work as a booking agent for us for Zimbabwe? Because at this point she was now based in South Africa. And then she decided, but I wanna move back home but it didn't make sense to then keep her management team in South Africa. So she then said, well, do you mind if you, can you please be my manager? And I thought, well, why not? I mean, I've known her on a personal level mm. and I really enjoyed working with her on a booking level. Um, level. Um, and it's, it's worked out really well since it's been a two year journey. And yeah, it's been a lot of interesting travels experiences. Mm -hmm. uh, she's a much bigger artist than what I have managed over the years. So mm -hmm. I've also had a lot of learning in the process. And I it doesn't I love Amara. Like I'm her number one fan. <laughs> so <laughs> if you uh, see her tomorrow, just let her know. <laughs> I will definitely do that. Um, what is your role as a manager? What are some um, general duties that comes with that responsibility? Well, oof, there, there's quite a numerous um, amount of responsibility areas, but it starts off with just engaging with the corporates. Um, you know, like you've got shows that are booked. You need to ensure that, you know, you get there on time. You are giving a quality um, product. Um, the, the artist and the band are looking the part. You are then the liaison person between the band or your artist and, and um, whoever has, has booked you, whether it's the corporate side or your promoters. So there's also an element of trying to um, find money to be mm -hmm. able to do videos um, and to be able to keep the brand alive, you know, and not just rely on shows. So there's the element of always like trying to, you know, look for money and look for opportunities for which you then can all stay alive. Mm -hmm. um, I also, I do a lot, I sit in a lot of her recording sessions and I'm the other ear in terms of like, you know, why don't we try this or, you know, so that's another part. Um, contracts. Yeah. <laughs> so I do all the contracts. The unfun parts. <laughs> <laughs> all the un yeah, so all the administration. So I do the administration. Mm -hmm. 
I'm also finance. Mm-hmm. I'm also, the, you know, the road um, manager as well, because we really can't afford a huge team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also become road manager. I kind of like switch roles. Um, in first world countries where there's quite a lot of money put behind an artist, you may have designated roles for a specific thing. Here we sort of like, it's like one. I'm a, I'm a one package for many, you know, different elements of her life. Mm-hmm. career life that is. Are you creatively fulfilled? I'm extremely creatively fulfilled. And I think with each new task and um, each mistake and each learning, um, you then grow more um, and then want to do more. I mean, like right now, we're trying to build a school's arts village that would be able to accommodate 300 people. So yes, we started off doing storytelling in schools. It migrated into a festival that was local. It then became a festival that was regional. Now we're going online, you know, uh, internationally, which is a new challenge. And then we've got the village that we're trying to build. So I'm fulfilled and will be more so when we reach the targets that we set for ourselves. Can you share a little bit more about Let Them Village? Um, We've acquired uh, 15 hectares of land in a place called Lomboshawa. Mm -hmm. Lomboshawa is about 30 kilometers from Harare city. And it's virgin land. It's full of indigenous trees and plants. And what we want to do is to build a cultural village. And when I say cultural village, I mean... Uh, we want to build huts as what we used to have in Zimbabwe. So we had a different type of hut in the, in the southern region. So in your Ndebele um, huts were slightly different to your Shana huts. Mm-hmm. We had huts that were on stilts. So um, we're trying to build the types of huts that we had around Zimbabwe and then have schools come through and book uh, for camping uh, or school trips uh, where they can have the experience of how we used to live. What we're going to do is to put a bit of a modern twist um, for the safety of kids. We used to have toilets outside. So we're going to have those indicatively so that if you mm-hmm. want to have the experience of using those, you can. But what we are going to do is to put, you know, a shower and a toilet on the inside of, of each hut. But from the outside, it will look aesthetically exactly like the huts that we used to have. So that will be one part of the experience. Um, We are also wanting to build an amphitheater. So all the schools that don't have halls or stages to be able to put together shows, they will be able to to utilize that space. But if there's also festivals around Zimbabwe that want to have a, a venue that's away from the CBD, they could also use our amphitheater and have the accommodation in order for their audience or their performers to be able to, to, to live in. Mm. Um, we're going to keep it as, as virgin as possible. We're not cutting down trees. So it'll be like you're out in the bush, but so close to town and there'll be walking trails and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Would you be open to maybe facilitating an artist residency there? Um, so let's say for um, anyone that's in the States, the UK, Australia, if they'd like to come and have a place that's just like you're mentioning at Lethem Village, which is, you know, amongst nature and everything is just organic and natural, um, just so they can <laughs> express themselves and be able to be in a space that's removed from the city. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. That is what the space is for. It's Beautiful. that 
cultural arts hub space and we're welcoming everybody. Our hope is that this space will not just be for Zimbabwean kids, mm -hmm. it'll all be for kids from all over the world so that they can come and have a cultural experience here and have exchanges with the local kids because that is so empowering so that we can learn what kids in America do they can learn from the kids here mm. and mix and mingle um, the residency is definitely it film the film industry will be able to utilize our space to be able to take great movies mm. you know to produce great movies from there because they've got the space that will depict a rural setting um, and we'll actually have people living there. So it's not like a space that's just waiting for, you know, bookings to happen. It's going to have life in it every day. Um, what is your vision for Let Them Trust in five years? Hmm. The vision for the next five years is that we will have Let Them Trust in at least 20 countries that will be having schools arts festivals. And every year that every year that they have a festival, all the other let them, you know, countries will be coming to, to each one. Mm. Um, so your creme de la creme kids will be coming. Um, then they'll be, you know, having the opportunity to come to the village. In the next five years, the village must be finished. 85 huts must be built. The amphitheater must be finished and it has to be running on a daily basis. I'm so glad we're, we're speaking on this because um, it's very similar to my vision for 54 plus. So um, hopefully we can collaborate. <laughs> yes, yes. And there's power and collaboration, you know, and synergy. Definitely. Mm -hmm. um, I have two questions in one. Um, first mm -hmm. question is, what did basketball teach you? And the second one is, are there any similarities to playing basketball and acting? <laughs> okay, um, I'll start with the first one. Basketball taught me to be a team player. It's a team sport. And I think in everything that I do, it's about team. Um, I don't want, you know, I may conceptualize something, but I don't want it to be about me. It has to be about the people that are around me. Um, for us to then make it uh, realizable. Um, basketball also taught me to be resilient, you know, and to be a go-getter because you want to win. You want to win that game at whatever cost. Obviously, keeping your integrity, you know. Uh, we don't want to foul out in life and in what we're trying to do just because we're trying to get ahead. So I think the game in itself has given me life lessons that I apply to my daily life. Mm -hmm. um, how does basketball compare with acting? Well, ish, I was quite an aggressive basketball player <laughs> and I seem to have landed these roles, right? That just I'm this aggressive human being. But like in, in real life, I'm actually quite a happy, soft. Yes, you are. <laughs> happy person so maybe maybe the aggression that was like would be forthcoming on the basketball court is what's translated into into the acting career yeah beautiful what is the best advice you've ever been given the best advice um was a logo well it was a part of my school logo um at school and it was success is through endeavor mm. and and i live by that every day um, because so many times we 
we get to a point where we're like, this is too hard or it's not working. But success is through endeavor and you just have to keep on keeping on. Mm -hmm. And that's what I tell a lot of people that I, I, you know, speak to and um, a lot of the youth that I speak to that, you know, just don't give up. Success is through endeavor. And I think that is the soundest advice ever, you know? Definitely. Um, so how can people stay in contact with you and with the Let Them Trust? Uh, we have a Facebook page, um, Let Them Trust. And Let Them Trust, it's, it's like three separate words, but it's joined into one. So it's Let Them Trust. So that's on Facebook and that's on Instagram. And we do have an email address, um, Let Them Fest. Um, at gmail.com and I'll repeat that let them fest at gmail.com we have an active uh, website as well uh, that we're trying to make more interactive so that at least if people want to you know speak to us we can then respond instantaneously um, and I'll, I'll repeat it again I, I've said it earlier but it's uh, let them trust at gmail.com uh, Thank you very much. Auntie Chido, this has been wonderful. I'm so glad you got to virtually meet Phil. <laughs> um, but thank you so oh, much. Pasha. <laughs> Pasha, yes. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in into another episode of Creative Habits Podcast. Here's today's quote. True philanthropy requires a disruptive mindset innovative thinking and a philosophy driven by entrepreneurial insight and creative opportunities don't forget to subscribe family have a good one